tell you why the Jags might be in a position to move down and actually do better than they would if they didn't. I'll tell you how and why in just a second here on Locked on Jaguars. You are Locked on Jaguars, your daily Jacksonville Jaguars podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. For joining me, Tony Wiggins, the host of the Locked On Jaguars podcast, where it's your team every day, and we thank you for making us your first listen. Quick reminder that we are free on YouTube, where you can subscribe on our Locked On Jaguars YouTube page, and make sure you catch the audio of us every single day. Now, you also uh, can check and make sure we're available wherever you get your podcast. Uh, audio wise on all platforms were there too. make sure that you tap in and today's show is sponsored and brought to you by FanDuel FanDuel make every moment more don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go FanDuel.com slash locked on a lot to talk to you guys about today and one of those is one of those things is um, we did a podcast earlier this week about the Jags possibly being close enough to move up and snatch a guy and worrying about who might fall to him in the draft. Well, there's another scenario, and that scenario is a lot of people fall to him and they decide that they're going to fall back and use, they're going to fall back and, and use extra picks that they get this year to strengthen themselves for their new draft and develop strategy that they've come up with. One that we, we don't mind that as long as, you know, it's done the correct way, we won't have anything to say about it, but there's a lot there. And what I mean by that is that the Jaguars set their board, their realistic board based on need. And they look up and all of a sudden when they get to, you get down to pick 24 and it's a who's who of we're, we're not taking, okay, well, who fell to us? It's like, well, it's a who's who of who fell to us because more tight ends or, or two running backs possibly, guys that you didn't fit, John Michael Schmitz and, and Joe Tipman, centers get picked early because you never know how the draft goes. Every year it tells you it's one way and all of these mocks look just alike. And then the actual, on the actual draft night, nothing looks like that. And that's why I'm bringing this up because – on actual draft night, usually nothing looks the way you thought it was going to look. So what happens is if the Jaguars, what, what happens if the Jaguars get to that point and 12 guys that they like are on the list and they're like, they're having to choose like which ones. Forget about positions and that variance. Uh, let's just say there are two or three positions where they're looking for certain players, right? and a whole bunch of guys that they like, and maybe one or two guys that they didn't think were going to be there are still there, and they have to weigh that. What would be the advantage of them moving backwards? I'll explain that. We're going to explain that in segment two or and three combined. Um, but another thing that we're going to explain is I'm going to look at two different, two of the most popular draft publications and what we're going to do is we're going to look at the players that they have between 24 and 56. And we'll figure out how can you get three of those guys 
as opposed to two and would you be happy now these boards are drastically drastically different in fact i might pull up daniel jeremiah's too because he has a top 50 so we don't get to uh we don't get to all of his picks but we'll try here we'll try to get to his top 50 it doesn't matter because he's not picking all the way through 56 but still we, we'll still manage to see enough that will allow us to understand exactly what it is that Daniel Jeremiah even says compared to the other two. And I know the other two of places, I'm not going to mention them, but you guys know who they are because I know you know who they are because I see you using them on Twitter all the time when you do your mock draft. So we're going to go through that. We're going to see how that turns out. We've got to talk about this other little part. And what I mean by that is, I always say we don't like guys, we don't like people to try to win um, to win the press conference or to win the narrative of draft day. And you don't want to win at the podium, you want to win on, on the field. The first thing we have to do is we have to understand that this comes from a place of me understanding that draft day and draft night is used is so fun. Personally, I liked it better when they did it on Saturdays. I like taking those Saturdays, cutting hair half the day, being able to make the first, be at the first pick at, at about 12 after cutting hair from 7 to 12 and then going and kicking back with hundreds of thousands of people who you only meet sometimes on social media, having some cold ones, eating some wings. I loved it. When it was uh, Saturday, it was a two-day event. It was Saturday and Sunday. Obviously, the league wanted to make some money and do things differently, so now it's on Thursday night. We all got to work the next day. Usually when it's Thursday night, even when the Jaguars are picking early, I'm still at work until 1 o'clock in the morning because I was at the stadium. The Jags are picking late now. They're picking no later, no earlier than 24th unless they make a trade. I would guess that that's somewhere at the 1030, maybe close to 11 o'clock or we're getting around that, that area, right? It's fun. It's festive, but it's work. And last year I left the stadium at 1.45 in the morning. That wasn't any fun. I had to get right up about five hours later and get right back on it. And um, nobody wants to hear nobody complain about no sleep. But the one thing I will tell you, the one thing I will tell you is, um, that one of the things that is going to be interesting is if they move backwards, if they decide to move backwards, how do you invite 20,000 people to a party at a stadium, right? And everybody's drinking and everybody's eating and everybody's festive and they're looking at that board and what they're wondering is, oh man, this guy's falling. He's falling. We're going to get him, right? We're going to get this guy. He is falling to this position in the draft. And then they say, there's been a trade. The Jacksonville Jaguars have traded the 24th pick to some team that has a pick tomorrow, right? Not later on in the day. Some team that has a pick tomorrow for that team's third-round draft choice as well. If it's too late, if it's real late in the second round, you'd hope that it's more than that, right? But if they back up eight, nine, ten spots and they get to the very top of the second round and they're willing to sit there 
and they get an extra, they get a third and, and a fifth, right? And you're sitting there saying that still means oh, they're only going to get two players between that point and 56. Doesn't does not necessarily mean that they could keep those two picks and then take their third round pick along with the fifth round pick or the extra pick that you sent them, use that and move up into that 40 range, right? So the Jaguars could essentially have a pick in the 30s, the 40s, and the 50s. Who could some of those players be? And would it matter to you if you spent all your money going to the stadium, having a good festive time, and they don't pick anybody on Thursday night? Remember, it's about winning on the field. It's not about winning that night. It's not about winning at the podium. Start putting that in your mind that that might happen and that might be. I'm not telling you not to go to the party. By all means, you want to drink beer and eat chicken wings and pizza, you go do it. You want to have fun with your friends and you want to dress up in Jaguar stuff and gold shoes and all that. I do not have a problem with it. But you better be prepared and be ready for the thought that the Jaguars just might, just might, have you wishing they'd pick somebody that night, but you'd have to wait till the next day. We'll tell you more in segment two. We'll start mentioning who some of those players are and who they could be, and maybe that'll make you feel better. We'll do that in just a second here on Locked on Jaguars. After I let you know today's show is sponsored by FanDuel. The NBA playoffs are almost here. It's two games to go, and it's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet does not win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. I am a Kevin Durant fan, and I am hoping they're going to have a first-round contest against somebody like Golden State or the Clippers. So it's going to be real, real entertaining for Phoenix. And I want you guys to make sure that you tap in with FanDuel. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at bigger payouts with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go FanDuel.com forward slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com forward slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. And I'm your official host of the Locked On Jaguars podcast. My name is Tony Wiggins. And we thank you for making us your first listen and appreciate you very, very much. We were talking a draft. We were talking about players and about the prospects of Jacksonville not making a selection on that Thursday night, right? I saw a very interesting, something very, very interesting. And what that was was, People keep devaluing linebackers. Well, somebody put it up. I think I think it was Matt Miller from ESPN. They put up a chart of all the first round linebackers selected in like the last 10 years. It's a who's who of well, why did they do that? Right. So the Jaguars were the latest team to do it. They did it last year with Devin Lloyd. And I still believe in his athleticism. I just wonder what the plan is and how they're going to use Devin Lloyd. And that's more of a team building issue than it is a Devin Lloyd issue. But he slipped in the draft. The Jags came up to get him. And you have to wonder and ask yourself, why did he slip? And did other people notice uh, that 
he wasn't worthy to be taken up there. And so why did Jacksonville do it? Right. That's one thing. The other thing is you don't have to draft someone just because you have your pick. You can always move back and get more for those draft choices. So the honey spot that I'm talking about is between 33 and 56. So the Jaguars have 24. The question is, is can they somehow figure out a way to get three picks between 33 and 56 without giving up assets from next year's draft? Next year's draft, I wouldn't trade any picks away from next year's draft because next year's draft, in my opinion, is going to be super, super strong because it has two quarterbacks that people believe are franchise quarterbacks. It'll be two guys that'll be sort of on Trevor Lawrence territory, right? Kind of, right? Uh, one of them, the Williams kid, they might think that he's he's better than Trevor. Um, they, there's, there's also a premium left tackle. There's There should be. I don't know if this is going to be a fact or not, but there should be a premium corner uh, in uh, Travis Hunter if he develops the way people think he should develop under Deion Sanders out in Colorado. And, well, Travis, no, Travis is not even available to come out next year. So Travis Hunter will be a true sophomore. So, no, he's not available. But there are other really, really good corners out there that there'll probably be a premium corner. If I go through and think about it, there are probably some previous uh, premium guys. I'm talking about Dallas Turner. Dallas Turner is the one. I got a whole name on list here, and I, I, I put Travis Hunter. Dallas Turner from Alabama, I think, will be one of those guys that's going to have the type of year, along with Jared Verse from Florida State, where there will also be premium pass rushers that will have those top 10 type feelings about them, right? So the quarterbacks alone make the picks next year super, super valuable. Even if you don't need one, that means it just makes everything else trickle down. And it's extremely valuable to have a first-round pick in a round that has two franchise quarterbacks, possibly two franchise edge rushers, a franchise corner, and just, you know, advanced scouting is very, very important because you have to know that those picks hold more weight. If you can move back this year and not request anything from next year, you're probably going to get what you asked for this year because nobody wants to give up picks from next year because those picks are worth more currency. So if we look up right now, I'm going to look up on one of the top 150 prospect boards. In fact, let me look first at Daniel Jeremiah, right? Just for sakes, I'm going to tell you who the 24th ranked player is on Daniel Jeremiah's board. It's Derek Hall, a guy that I liked a lot early. And what I was doing is, I was actually mocking De Derek Hall to the Jaguars in the second round. Well, the uh, draft process and the uh, the dog and pony show, the combine and these private workouts, well, that got rid of all of that stuff because Derek Hall is now, some people expecting him to go super early. He might not even get to the Jaguars at 24. But I am looking here beyond that pick for Dan Daniel Jeremiah. And I got to scroll real slowly because there's a whole bunch of pictures. It's not just names. Brian Branch is right behind him. So if you look up and see Brian Branch, Michael Mayer, Joe Tipman, Jameer Gibbs, Will McDonald, Trenton Simpson, not necessarily need, JSN, Jackson Smith and Jeeba, and he won't be here. 
I respect Daniel and his board, but he won't be here. Darnell Wright, I don't think he'll be there. Drew Sanders for a team that needs a linebacker. Quentin Johnson, Luke Musgrave, Steve Avila, Osiris Torrance is 37. Felix and a Duke and a DK Uzoma, who I, I really love Felix. BJ Ojalar, these are a lot of names. Keely Ringo, there's a lot of names right here. Zay Flowers, he won't be there. Deontay Banks, we talked about him. The thing is, Brian Bercy, there are a lot of names. Zach Charbonnet, a lot of names that we keep hearing and seeing mocked. Sam Laporta to go way before the Jaguar second pick. But there's a lot of names I just named, like Mozzie Smith is here. He's at 49. There's a lot of names. Dallas, uh, Davis Allen. There's just too many people that you think that's where the hot spot is. So what if the Jaguars were able to finagle themselves up and get three of those guys and still hold on to a fourth-round pick, right? So they'll have four shots at it before pick, fourth-round pick, uh, 56. Before pick 110, they'll have four shots at it. You'd think that that'd be very, very good, right? Consider the Jaguars also will likely um, realize that they, they do have a couple of extra picks and compensatory picks from last year. We're going to look at another one real quick, and we'll see how the names, the variance of names goes. The 24th pick, a ranked player, and this doesn't mean this is the draft, this is how they're going to go, but I'm starting at that spot. Anton Harrison from Oklahoma, Will McDonald, Broderick Jones, B. John Robinson, Mike Mayer, Zay Flowers, Jordan Addison, Emmanuel Forbes, you're starting to see some of these names. Felix is back there. Mozzie Smith is there. BJ at the top. Dewan Jones is at the top. Osiris Torrance is still at the very top at number 36. So the thing is, is if the Jaguars ended up with any of those players, most of those players I just mentioned, at 24, you'd be happy. So if you could move back a little bit, get the one of those same guys, have an extra third and a fifth, Take an extra third and a fifth. Well, take your third and a fifth and one of those thirds and a fifth and come back up and get right back in the middle of the meat of the second round and have two picks, let's just say, between 36 and 56. I think with the names that I've just mentioned, that makes the Jaguars, that that's prime, prime, prime. I was talking to Peter Bukowski, who uh, the prospects of in this trade with the Jets Bukowski, who's with Locked On Sports Today and with Locked On Packers, we were talking about the Packers possibly getting two second rounders from the Jets, like 42 and 43, while the Packers already own 45 instead of getting that first that that first round pick. And I said, it's insane to imagine a team having picked 42, first of all, keeping their own first round pick, which is number 15, even if they don't get the 13th from the Jets, but they get two twos. It is insane to think that someone could have a pick 42, 43, and 45 in this draft where quite naturally and quite frankly, the difference between player number 25 and player number 50, it ain't that big. I think you need to hit the hot spot if you're that team that's depending on young players and developing. Well, you don't need that one. You don't need to trade up for Will Anderson. I think you need to trade back and, and plant yourself right in that hot spot that we're talking about and getting three of these players wish list 
who are these guys we're talking about? Who would the three players be if I had a chance to have my wish list? Who would the three players be that the Jaguars would take? I'll tell you about all of that in just a second here on Locked on Jaguars in the third segment. All right, getting ourselves together here for the third and final segment, making this push towards the NFL draft. I'm going to tell you the three guys I'm going to use. Okay, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to use a board that I haven't used yet, and I'm going to look at three guys in that area. So I gave you an idea with Daniel Jeremiah, another really, really popular site that everyone uses. Now I'm going to use the other popular site that everyone uses. I'm going to use their big board to tell you some guys that are available at 24 and where I'm going from 24. The number I've hit is 36. So we're going from 36, from 24 to 36. We're going to take some later capital along with something they gave us and get ourselves up. So let's just say if we're at 36, we have 56. I'm going to split the difference and say 46. So let's have we have 36, 46, and 56 on this draft board. And I'm going to go through some of these players. By the way, if you need to know more about the players that I'm talking about, make sure you tap into Locked on NFL Scouting with the draft dudes, Joe Marino and Joe, and I said Joe Krabs, with Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs. They do it like nobody else on the Draft Dudes podcast, which is Monday through Friday. And it's a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure you make that your second listen and tap in to that. Now, one of these guys I mentioned and actually had something to do with this big board, too, I believe. So so that gives you an idea of both of them might have something to do with it. I know for a fact one of them had something to do with it, right? So on this big board, this doesn't mean in a mock draft. This big board starts out at... Number 24 has Brian Bercy, Zay Flowers. There's Derek Hall again sitting there at number 26. Brian Branch, Lucas Van Ness, Luke Musgrave, Keely Ringo, Darnell Washington, Josh Downs. With the exception of the wide receivers, Marianne, Emmanuel Forbes, Dalton Kincaid, those guys alone, those, you know, with the exception of the receivers, everybody and their brother will be happy to have any of those guys be Jacksonville Jaguars, right? But we're going down to 36. We're going to skip 35, which is Trenton Simpson. We're going to 36 on this big board. The first name you'd love to have is Julius Brents. A lot of you people have talked about Julius Brents. There's Osiris Torrance, number 37. Joe Tipman is at 38. Keon White. Ooh, we talked about Keon White a lot on this podcast. Dewan Jones is there at 40. All right, so you pick 46. I'm going to name everybody else who is on this list from 41 to 45. Drew Sanders, Jalen Hyatt, Anton Harrison, DJ Turner, Jordan Battle. I'd say 80% of that list, this team would love to have. But if faced with everything that I am faced with, even considering the depth that the Jaguars has just added on their offensive line, I'm doubling down and I'm going to get me a big 340-pound starter or 330-pound starter and Osiris Torrance. I am bringing Osiris Torrance from Gainesville to Jacksonville, and I'm making Osiris Torrance the Jaguars' first pick. Nobody's going to be mad because I heard he can even bounce out the right tackle if I have to. So that gives you the versatility, but it gives you the talent, gives you the size, it gives you the girth, gives you the nastiness, gives you a people mover. So let's go down here to 46. Osiris Torrance is the first one. The first player at 46 is Marvin Mims, 
I told you we ain't, we ain't trying to holler at these wide receivers. Clark Phillips is interesting. I did not like his, his athleticism and his workouts, but his tape says that he can play at slot. We ain't worried too much about that. Now, for this list, there's a guy here that I don't think is going to be here. His name is Darnell Wright. Could they? Could they? Could they do it? Could they double up on the offensive line with two 335-pound guys and just create a situation of pure and absolute overkill? I wouldn't do it. I, I mean, I might do it, but you guys will get mad at me if I do it. So we go all the way down the guys that are there prior to number 56. Ooh, y'all going to like number 56, too. Y'all going to already like number 56. So between 46, you got Marvin Mims, Mark Phillips, Darnell Wright. I tell you what, let me look beyond 56 because I might take the 56 guy and then end up with the player that I want. And nope, nope. Yep, yep I can. Okay. So at 56, I'm going to take someone on this draft that's all the way down at 65. I'm going to take Deontay Banks. Now you got your corner who can play a little slot until he gets to go out to where he's supposed to be going next year. Deontay Banks will come off this board. If they end up with, wait a minute, I got another pick, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you who that pick's going to be. It's the person that's actually 56 on this big board, and that's B.J. Ojolari. I want to know this. If the Jaguars trade back and end up with Osiris Torrance, Deontay Banks, and B.J. Ojolari, how would you feel? I know you get mad because you did all of that stuff and you hung out with your friends and they told you to go home and the team didn't improve. But imagine if they got a starting left guard, an edge that they can bring along and put in on passing downs who probably needs a little bit of time to be a backup or just to be a spot guy to give them that extra pass rusher when you move Trayvon inside. But then to come away with Deontay Banks the corner to have all of that. How would you feel? Like I said, this is an exercise because of course the draft doesn't go this way because big boys vary, but this is what will happen if they have a chance to move back. So don't get your mind set on them picking somebody the night of the draft. It might not happen with the way that this board keeps falling. They could very well move back. And I did that live for a reason. I wanted you to actually see what it felt like in real time, as opposed to me having something sketched out. No, I wanted you to see in real time what it was going to be like, because you got to make these decisions really, really, really fast. So I think I like it. I think I like it a lot. You guys seem to like me a lot because the numbers indicate that y'all are watching this podcast every single day. And I appreciate it. Make sure you come back tomorrow and I'll try to give you the same thing, same consistency. Until then, you guys take care of each other. And thank you for joining me. Tony Wiggins here on the Locked On Jaguars podcast.